The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome Welcome, to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be be brave, and be fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome Welcome, welcome. to the Data Gurus Podcast. I'm so excited to have Betty Adamo the podcast today. She is the CEO and founder of Research Through Gaming. Welcome, Betty. Thank you so much, Seema. Thanks for having me. And in addition to being CEO and founder, you are also a author. I am now, yeah. Look, just dropping that in, right? <laughs> well, Seema, you and I were just talking a moment ago and, and I was saying that I haven't actually got the book yet. But it is online to pre-order on Kogan Page, which is the publisher, um, on their website and on Amazon as well, as well as the Telegraph Bookshop. And the Telegraph is a, is a, a newspaper here in the UK and also Book Depository. So it's, it's online now. Buy it and you'll get it on the 3rd of November 2018. And, and tell us the name of the book. It's Games and Gamification in Market Research. Fantastic. It's a mouthful, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited. I've already pre-ordered my book and I'm excited to read it. Oh, but thank you. Tell us a little bit about research through gaming and, and why you're so passionate about it. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think of like the shortest way to answer that question. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I started research through gaming just kind of working in market research, but being a little bit kind of taken aback, like here is this massive industry And I just couldn't get why the mode of communication was so poor. Like these traditional surveys, uh, you know, I kind of question like, is this this really how we're we're talking to people? And, you know, by day I would be in my market research job and kind of, you know, looking after clients uh, or in another job, I was actually helping to kind of design more engaging surveys, like more fancy buttons and more engaging, you know, <laughs> tours. Um, and, but in the evening, I would be absolutely glued to video games. And so I just thought, there's something here. Yeah. There's something here. You know, why am I glued to this screen, but I'm not glued to that screen? And I did a conference talk called The Future of Research Through Gaming while I was still at Nebu, okay. which is a server software company. And naively, I didn't realize that actually when you do a conference paper, it should probably be about something that your company is actually selling. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I had all these questions after about, oh, what's the price list for these research games? And, you know, can, can we see a demo? And, and of course, there wasn't one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a lot of industry colleagues, many of which you might know, uh, Seema, who were just like, when are you quitting and yes. starting research for gaming? So I did. And fast forward eight years later, and every single research game I make, and, and the results that I get and, and what I hear from my clients, what I see them do with that data just keeps validating to me that this is uh, the way, not just the way to go right now, but actually even I think, wow, I, I could have evolved that so much more in different directions. Like there's so much more we can do with the advent of augmented reality and virtual reality. Like imagine a, a virtual reality research game or a AI driven research game where you're talking to like, intelligent characters in the game and and suddenly it becomes very qualitative right there's so much scope for it and so yeah it's it's just a a big passion of mine and 
as much as I've written the book, I, I design games and, and, I, and I run research games every day, I, I, if anything, I get more excited about it rather than, you know, kind of bored of it, right? Well, well your passion comes through every time, even on social media, your passion comes through for, oh, uh, it really does. Tell us a little bit about the process. You have a client and, and, and I should ask you, typically, who are your clients? Yeah, so, so there's, there's a bit of a mix. So, okay. broad, so broadly, Fortune 500 brands. Okay. So these will be companies where I'm just dealing with the brand um, research managers directly who will anecdotally say to me in you know, the initial first or second call with them that they are just not getting the kind of um, engagement and insight that they want from traditional surveys that they're using. They've heard about gamification kind of through the grapevine somewhere and, and they want to have a chat. Okay. Um, and so from there, if they're kind of happy to go ahead, they think yeah. I can you know, do something for them. Um, there's a three-stage process. So I will actually design the game. So I'll come up with the game idea. I'll design it. I can usually turn that around in 10 to 14 working days, which I know by kind of industry standards is like really slow to get something done, but actually to, to have an idea for a game and to design it and do all the graphics for it in, in, in um, two weeks or just under is uh, I think, okay. I actually think that's really ag aggressive. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of work to design a game. Oh yeah. It's, it's intense. And yes. what I also produce in the kind of what I call a, a digital info pack is not only will the client kind of get an overview of what the mm -hmm. idea is, how that's going to help drive certain behaviors to understand kind of, you know, the insights that they're looking for and, 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 you know, how do we develop this product or how right. we design this new clothing line or whatever it might be. But they also get the, the actual graphics that my developers or their developers will then use. And I'll also develop a why guide. And it will explain to the client, why have I designed your research game like this, even down to the color palette or the fonts or the activities or some of the scenarios that are built in where we're, I guess you could say, observing behaviors mm -hmm. more and choices more. And that will include research of kind of why I've designed kind of different components. And it's part of a process that I have coined and, and I talk about in my book called Smart Intuition and Meaningful Creativity. Okay. Simple for short. So the smart intuition part comes where I go, right, okay, well, I know, I, I know that personalization in digital media creates more engagement. So right. using your name when you're on a website or Amazon knowing your buying preferences and personalizes the, the shopping experience for you. We know that, right? Right. So the smart intuition comes in when you have a hunch about a design, but then you back that up with research. And so that's why that smart intuition and the meaningful creativity comes in because every, my belief is that every single pixel in your digital research game or gamified survey must have function. It must have meaning. I don't believe in design for design's sake. And actually, sometimes it is almost like writing fiction where you have to kill your darlings because I might design a research game and think, oh, that would be really cool, you know, but then actually it has no relevance to the, the data or the insight. And so, so that is a process that I go through to design the, the research game, but develop that why guide so the okay. client can understand my thinking. And actually, that document has to be one of the key things that makes the client have that eureka moment and go, oh, now I understand the benefit of this, this research game, this tool, because I can see all the research behind it, my thinking behind it, and what impact I'm perceiving that certain activities and scenarios are going to have. For the are there types of research that are more, not prone, but more suitable for this approach, for using gamification? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And I'm going to answer that with just telling a very short story, which okay. is 
there was a client I was working with, which is kind of a, a global kind of technology consultancy brand. Okay. And their, their research project was about logical data warehousing. And it was aimed at C-level executives around the world. And wow. it was basically about kind of taking a pulse of what people think about this, um, this process, uh-huh. where they think it's going to go in the future. What do they know at the moment? What are some of the fears around logical data warehousing? And this is something that I'd never even read about. It right. wasn't even on my radar, like yeah. logical data warehousing. Like, what the hell is that? And, and, I, and I thought, right, I'm stumped now. You right. know? And I think that that was about a year or so ago. And I thought, right, okay, like after six, seven years, I've actually found a project type that has stumped me. But I didn't want to give in. I was just like, yeah. oh, I'm going to research about this logical data warehousing. And I'm going to find out as much as I can about, about who the participants are and what makes them tick. And actually, I developed, I developed a design that was a little bit more, I guess you could say, like a quiz approach. Mm-hmm. But what came out of that was something that, you know, fit the, the brand I was working with in terms of their kind of brand guidelines, because obviously it's very visual. But then they, they took that design and not only kind of used it for the logical data warehousing, but then kind of reshaped it to be, you know, well, how do we take the pulse of different subjects with these same people, like automation, things like that. So it, it grew, ex- it could grow exponentially. And so I think that f- that that taught me that as long as I can still apply my processes, my system, my understanding of, of what games are to anything, I can make it work. Sometimes it, it might stump me and right. it might take longer, but there hasn't yet been anything <laughs> that I've gone, no, absolutely, I can't deliver on that. I would say though that I think you know, this methodology, it, unless, unless you want a kind of text adventure style game, it can be very visual. Right. So anything where I think it's about maybe product development or um, looking to collaborate with participants to create new ideas and new concepts. I think that's where it can work and, and has, in my view, worked really well in the past. That's fantastic. And, and honestly, I never would have thought of it as an application for business to business segments. Oh, so absolutely. That, yeah. That's interesting because I, I, I thought gamification gaming consumers i i never yeah. really took it to the business to business segment but it, it actually could be something interesting and appealing to do for business respondents as well oh absolutely i mean i i've, I've read so much research that talks about kind of c-level executives um having what what is commonly known as an entertainment snack so they'll be in their you know ah. lovely corner office yes. and, and playing you know app games and they right. are very engaging games and not only that but these kind of you know c-level executives and 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 fortune 500 and fortune 100 brands are very aware of the growing market that is serious games Mm -hmm. so games for training games for recruitment games for employee engagement games for healthcare you know the serious games market i I put a tweet out about it the other day but i think it's set to be worth something like 2.6 billion by the year 2020 and, and and growing still and growing and i think because they are aware of serious games and how game games and gamification have been applied in in a plethora of industries mm-hmm. it's starting to be an easier sell for me yes <laughs> when i talk to them because i'll be like oh right so research games are a form of serious games right and then and that's the connection that they make and they get it whereas eight years ago when i started talking about games and gamification i had a lot of you know raised eyebrows on what are you oh, that's interesting about? Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, but but now, but now with with the growth of the serious games market, mm-hmm. um, like I said, people are getting it more. It's an easier sell for me, but I think also the val the value of the science behind using games is become more publicly available. 
people don't have to feel like this is some secret source because the science is there. There are lots of papers and journals published on, on serious games of gamification and their benefits. And, and that's great, you know, yes. because, because that information is out there now. Yeah. When you talk about serious games, what's the definition of a serious game? Is it based on time or complexity? Um, so, a ser- so a serious game is, is, is a game that is used for not just an entertainment purpose. So it okay. can be used to solve a problem. It can be used, for example, in engaging new employees in the recruitment process. It could okay. be a, a more engaging way to provide training. In, the, in, in healthcare, it can be an education tool. Um, so there is um, a company that I, I, I've become quite close with called Focus Games and the co-founder there, Andy Yeoman, who is some, somebody that you, you'd probably love to meet, Seema. He developed a, a board game called Genomics, okay. which nurses have been using as an education tool. And I was on a panel talking about gamification at this healthcare conference in London um, just last week. And it was wonderful to see not only were the audience members who are scientists and high up healthcare professionals and, and business dis- and decision makers, you know, talking about this game that Andy had made in a positive light, but the adoption yes. of serious games as a whole and, and the enthusiasm from the audience was palpable and actually something that I've not seen in a market research conference audience yet yeah so so serious games are about using games for a for a serious thing where it's not just about entertainment although entertainment is like it's a part of product, it right? right yeah yeah that's so and and how does it work so you develop a game you get the the people the audience that you want to engage with yeah. and and is it truly just then the standard research process thereafter in terms of collecting the data and analyzing it or is there anything different that happens in between that so my so my process is okay so not only do I think about what my clients want to find out in terms of, of data mm-hmm. and what they're going to do with that data in terms of, is it going to help shape a marketing campaign? Is it going to help launch a new product? But I almost work backwards. So from that point being the end point, right, the, the, the business impact, if you like, right through to, okay, well, the next step backwards is how do I want the participants to behave? What kind of behavioral data do I want to collect? And then backwards again from that, well, what activities am I going to design or what scenarios am I going to design to encourage certain behaviors? So let's say, for example, you are in a situation where you are, you know, in real life, really stressed out, you're right. in a supermarket, you're getting your groceries, you've got two children, Seema. Yes. Let's say they're both screaming. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they're much more well-behaved than that. But not only does that emotional state, as we know from behavioral economics, affect how you um, buy products, but even your, your behavior, how you move around a supermarket because of that emotional state. So as, as manipulative and horrible as this sounds, I almost kind of create an emotional state as well as a kind of uh, situational scenario to drive how people behave and what cho- see what choices they make. So it could be anything from, you know, how do people identify who they are or, you know, given a limited amount of time, what kind of purchases would they make about, you know, active wear for Pilates, you know, it could right. be anything. So I work backwards from that. And then, and, and then when I'm doing my storyboards and, and then go into my graphics, I know what the end goal is, even from that early stage, because I've kind of, I've, I've planned that out. And that's really actually how most serious games work. It's, it's that kind of what problem do I want to solve and, and working backwards 
to create that that initial design that's going to encourage certain behaviors and outcomes. It's fantastic. It's funny because, you know, I, I was in a all day meeting yesterday talking about respondents and, right. and, you know, <laughs> respondents and how do we treat them better and how do we value them? And, and to me, this feels like such a natural extension in terms of having a really pleasant experience for a respondent and, and also collecting the information. But I'm wondering, why haven't we adopted it? Like, what, what do you think the barrier is there in terms of trying to use these new methods in terms of engaging respondents? Yeah, I think there's been a couple of things. That's a really good question. So I think some of the terminologies that have been thrown around are not only incorrect, but confusing. Okay. So there have been um, papers out there that will talk about a case study using a gamified survey, but will be referring to it as a game. Okay. Uh, interchangeably. So that, so the wording is used interchangeably. So I think that creates confusion, confusion mm-hmm. because even outside of market research, gamification and, and making a fully-fledged kind of serious game are two very two different, different yeah, design processes and the kind of engagement and outcomes you're going to get. But also I think that there is a lack of understanding in terms of what the benefits are outside of market research as well. Because I think if more, if more researchers knew about the serious games market and, and the plethora of ways that serious games have been applied to engage patients and nurses and C-level executives and employees and travelers, you know, just anything or, or learning a new language, I think they would say, right, okay, actually at my fingertips, I have a hundred case studies right. of the benefits of serious games. And how can I bring that into my market research company? The third thing is, is that, that you know, in ter- like, I'm, this is awful self-promotion, <laughs> but my book is the first book in this space. And I'm hoping it won't be the last. I'm hoping other people will contribute and say, well, what about virtual reality research? Right. What's the process of designing those? And, and, yeah. and what kind of results have we had from case studies? And what about augmented reality research? Mm-hmm. I think I, I see my book as very much a kind of, here, here's the foundations. Right. It's an introduction. There are very much advanced steps in there and, and activities and guides, but, but there's so much more to build from it. I mean, there could be a whole book on the effects of avatars in research games mm-hmm. or just on music in research games and, and, and all these different game components. So I think those things have con- contributed to a lack of kind of wide adoption. But I have to say it has made me feel better seeing so many people saying i've pre-ordered your book yes. <laughs> clearly, clearly yeah. the engagement is out there people clearly there is a thirst for knowledge so there is i mean and i think yeah. everybody is scrambling not scrambling i shouldn't say looking for solutions for better yeah. engagement and and trying to create different methods and approaches to do that yeah and, yeah. I, and I don't think one size fits all but clearly this is something that's you know effective and and is used beyond market research as well Oh, absolutely. Can I show can I show you something? Yes, please. Okay, so so here's a chart I prepared earlier. Okay. Okay. So here are our psychological needs. Okay. okay. Mastery. Right. Autonomy. Autonomy and relatedness. And purpose. And purpose. Okay. okay. These, these are our four psychological needs. Okay. Ramp for short, right? Okay. So rules, autonomy, mastery, purpose. Now, in my book, I, I write about some, you know, academics and experts say that there are three. Some another person will say that there's other three. I, I, I basically combine them. And I'm like, no, there's four. There's right? four. Okay. The interesting thing is that what's in a game, yes. the basic ingredients of a game, are goals, rules, feedback systems, and opportunities for autonomy. Okay. Or, 
goth, goth. for sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> but actually, what, the reason that games are so intrinsically engaging, and sometimes, as we know, there's lots of debate about um, addiction in games, right. is because the game ingredients consistently and perpetually satisfy our psychological needs. Interesting, right? yeah. So if, we, so if we have a psychological need for purpose, right? well, for example, that is satisfied by the goals, the goals in the game and, and there's not ever just one goal in the game right there right. are small goals that lead to an ultimate goal and, it, and it's growing and and of course our psychological needs tell us that we have needs for autonomy mm-hmm. games provide us with opportunities mm-hmm. for autonomy and and so that's why that's why it works it's it's using it's using the science of of who we are how we behave to to say well games tap into that and that creates intrinsic engagement. But also, we play games, and play has so many useful yeah. behaviors that are desirable for market researchers. So, when you think about using a game in research, it's really just saying, well, this is a means to an end. Right. I'm using a game because I'm trying to encourage intrinsic engagement and play because that creates a continuation desire, a completion desire. Play and intrinsic engagement have been proven to increase our focus, our problem-solving abilities, our abilities to come up with innovative ideas, mm-hmm. um, our sense of collaboration. We induce a flow state. We, we don't feel the passing of time. These are all really desirable things for market researchers. And just using games is almost like a shortcut yes. to, to get there. So it's, it's almost, it's not really about the game. It's about right. the behaviors that arise out of using games. And, and what needs state it fill, fulfills. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, You know, you're right. And I know a lot of people in the education sector are looking at this as well in terms of, yeah. can we make learning more fun, more interesting, more engaging? And, and I, I think yeah. gaming is one of those approaches as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, McGraw-Hill, yeah, you know who they are. Next year, they're launching 50 simulation games for education. Wow. And that's one example of, mm-hmm. of thousands of educational institutes around the world using games for education. And, and and also for research, because inevitably, as, as students or, or employees are taking part in these games, data is being collected. So, so actually what I'm saying in my book is, is people are already doing this. Yes. People are already collecting data from, from serious games, but we're just saying, why don't we use them for research? And, and of course, part of that is abiding by the ethics and the codes of conduct right. that we need to abide by for market research purposes. It's fantastic. I, I applaud you. This is such interesting stuff. Oh, thank and, you. <laughs> and, and congratulations on the book. And one more time, if people didn't hear it in the beginning, where can they pre-order your book? You can pre-order on Amazon and the Kogan Page website, which is the name of the publishers, also on Book Depository and the Telegraph Bookshop. Thank you so much, Betty, for joining me. Keep track of all your success. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time. Be bold, be brave, and be fearless.